Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Hello, running community, and welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I am Zach. Today on the A to Z Running Podcast, we're talking about what we can learn from other runners. And today, we have the privilege of having Matt Chittum of the Rambling Runner Podcast to discuss things he's learned from his guests. And we'll also discuss things we've learned from our guests. And this is all unique content from what he had on his podcast when he had Zach and I on his show. So we'll link to that too. I am having trouble following exact lines of logic of what you just said, (laughs) but I think it will all make sense if you keep on listening. Remember that there are at least a few important considerations as we discuss the topic, and that includes things like the benefits in general of learning from other people. And Mm -hmm. as runners, what can we learn from other runners? And then, of course, why we do enjoy the opportunity to learn from others. And there's going to be some conversation along those lines. And a note of caution, because, as you know, whenever you're trying to look at someone else in the thing that they do, it runs the risk of comparison in a negative sense. Mm. Um, And what is comparison the thief of? Andy? Joy. Oh, that's not at all what I was thinking. And Strava segments. I'm kidding. kidding. Okay, so uh, yes, um, any of you who are familiar with the Strava Strava fog that happens when you think that uh, everything you do on Strava must... Uh, you know, stack up, which many of us have experienced and all of us know what it feels like when we're starting to wonder what other people are going to think of us when they Mm. see our run on Strava. Mm. I did in fact run two minutes per mile slower than I usually do. Will they judge me? Mm. I'm not going to get as much likes as I usually do. And that's not going to get any cool comments. My friends are going to post and they're going to say, Hey, is something wrong? No, I just ran slow. (laughs) Hater. All right. Well, by the way, you also need to follow and subscribe. So go to a to zrunning.com, click the word follow. It's very close to the word coaching, which is also a great place to click and <laughs> subscribe on YouTube as well as places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, other podcast places. We don't actually know all the places our podcast goes, believe it or not. It's fascinating how these things work. Yes. But it's probably there. Yes, including Amazon Music now. Did you know that, Zach? Not a clue, which yeah. means another place. <laughs> another place. And we love connecting with you on social media as well. On Instagram, we love to new- learn new things from people like maybe you. So Margs and Marathons and Bodkick both gave this fact that I didn't know, which was what which is that concrete is 10 times harder than asphalt. And then, of course, gravel and track and grass are much softer even than that. I did know that the benefits. So Zach and I often will talk about the benefits of running on grass or dirt. But I didn't know that stat. Did you know that stat, stat Zach? Uh, yes, 10 times? I did. But oh. <sighs> The 10 times? Well, exactly? No. Significant times. Okay. I didn't put a number on it. I, who knows? Um but there's also different kinds of asphalt and different kinds of concrete. But anyway, uh, so there, of course, is opportunity here to throw Andy's brother under the bus since we've been doing that a lot lately. And there were a lot of really funny instances of this in college because her brother was also our teammate in college where he would be running on the sidewalk and immediately jump into the road suddenly and very quickly. And everyone would be like, hey, Luke, what you doing? And he's like, I'm running on the asphalt. It's softer. And of course, we would all just laugh at him. But 
he was right. It truly is softer. He's a science uh, guy. He is. Um, and, you know, and anyone who's in a near proximity to injury is always more attentive to these kinds of things. Yeah. So, you know, for instance, right now I'm coming off of my own stress right. reaction injury. I'm thinking a lot about surfaces yeah. more than usual. Force impact with the repetitive motion of running is an important thing to consider. So I posted about dirt because I love pack dirt and you'll find out why if you go to A to Z running on Instagram. And this week I'll be creating a post about aqua jogging. So some hmm. tips there that I have collected. So well, that actually that. raises a really important comment because we've been talking about the surfaces you're running on. We forgot to include water in a surface you run on. We are pretty it, good at running on, on water. <laughs> not everyone is, but it's something worth practicing. Yeah, running in water, not on water, Zach. That's that's what I said. Uh, is that what you said? <laughs> well, stay tuned for that. More tips to come. Excellent. Now, by the way, we've got a couple of key discounts that you should pay attention to. If you're in the West Michigan area in the next couple of weeks, you definitely want to be running the Light Point 5K on mm -hmm. August 28th. That's a Saturday in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, and we've got a $5 off entry for you. If you do use code A to Z runners. And it's limited to 25 uses. So interesting. Yeah. It's, so, it's, it's exclusive. So do it right away. If you hear this and want to do that 5K. Yes. So A-T-O-Z runners with an S. That'll get you in $5 off. Mm -hmm. And then ProTech Athletics. I recently was sharing my love for the orb. Say hello to my little friend. Oh, goodness. Yes. He is amazing. He comes with me and is not quite as ugly as a shrunken head. Why is head. your little friend that you take everywhere a he? Uh, I'm feeling well put off. They. <clears throat> what? How about it? It's it? a machine, Andy. Okay, so this ProTech tool is small. This orb is very small. I think it's four and a half inches. And what it does is it rolls just like you use for like a foam roller. It's fascia release. It gives stimulation to the muscles to help them recover better. And also you'll be able to perform better as you are, you know, getting that muscle, getting blood to your muscles better. Um, but yeah, breaks up the fascia for recovery and it's smaller than a foam roller so it's easier to pack and this does have vibration so it's going to help break it up that fascia even more and it doubles as an effective self-defense measure because it's heavy enough to throw hard at an offending person wow i didn't think of that yep. are you always thinking of those kind of tactics Zach? not always just when I'm traveling okay anywhere outside my home so you can get 10 percent off with the code a2z10 again that's a2z10 for 10% off at ProTech Athletics. And there's all kinds of recovery tools, not just the my, my favorite, which is the Orb Activate. Excellent. Now, let's talk from things in the world of running. Three things from the world of running in the last week. First up, Cape Cod. Cape Cod, there is a historic race, the Fallmouth road race and it's near the boston area in cape cod edna kiplagat of kenya won the women's race in 36 52 she is 41 years old and ran 516 pace for that 36 52 pretty impressive yeah now ben flanagan of canada won the men's race in 32 16 which comes out to 437 place and molly seidel was the official race starter for this race which is pretty cool and she joined the field of nearly 8,000 racers and 
was in the very back. So she's the very last participant participant to cross the start line. And the deal was that she would try to pass as many people as possible possible in the race would give $1 per person that she passed to a place called Tommy's Place. It's a vacation home for kids fighting cancer. Mm. So later, then they announced that they would double that because she was an Olympic bronze medalist. Or did they announce they would double it after she finished because they realized she didn't pass as many people as they thought no, she would? Exactly. No, Zach. No? Oh, okay. I don't think so. Sorry. So she passed 4,761 runners. Out of 8,000? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty darn good. About half of them. So the Fallmouth Road Race donated $9,522 in appreciation of Seidel's participation in the event. And then the the gentleman, Tim O'Connell, who is the founder of Tommy's Place, decided he was going to match it dollar for dollar. Well, then. Yeah. So nice. total... Total, do I do a drum roll for that? Uh, $19,044, $19, I'm struggling, for pediatric cancer patients. Excellent. Yeah. And former guest on the show, Parker Stinson, was eighth place in the men's competition, and Clayton Young was ninth. And Emily Durgan, I wanted to mention her because we've been talking about her in the road racing championships for the U.S. She is now the leader of the the total tally the usatf mm-hmm. circuit okay yes and she was runner-up in this event excellent yeah. all right she's scoring points scoring, scoring points. points okay well a little bit further back on august 8th in brooklyn new york brooklyn the fabled brooklyn mile yes it's a fast road mile in brooklyn and apparently gets a lot of hype the yep. women's winner was danny aragon in 434 she was eighth in the 1500 meter run at the olympic trials and she's a fast woman. She's has a PR of two flat in the eight hundred, a PR of four oh five in the fifteen. So great showing by Danny as the winner of the event for the women. And then the men's winner was everyone's favorite mullet man, Craig Engels in four oh two. He's not my favorite mullet man. But Who's he your does favorite mullet have, man? I'm not gonna answer that question. <laughs> but he does have the most spectacularly long mullet. It, yeah, I think it actually looks good on him, and I don't usually think oh, mullets dear. look great. So anyway, he's gra- got a great mullet and also very fast times. Now, that's a 402, which his PR is 351. Yeah, but that's a road mile. Yeah, that's true. They're always slow. And it's not like he's peaking for this in the summertime. Like, And he won the race. Likely. So who cares what time <laughs> he ran? <laughs> who, t- who cares? He was, again, if you don't know who Craig Engels is, he was fourth place at the Olympic trials. He's one of the favorites to go to Tokyo. Didn't quite get the spot this time around, but he's represented the U.S. at uh, other U- uh, international competitions. So, yes. And has a mullet, and apparently. Ha- yes, and a mustache. Third up on our list has nothing to do with facial hair thankfully, <laughs> is Boston announced its pro field, elite yeah. field, for the rescheduled October marathon. No, I mean, I'm not going to list every person that's on this list who's nope, impressive. We're just There's read a them. lot of Let's people. read them all. No, all 100 I'm going to link them. to it at adazrunning.com, like and you can go ahead and read them for yourself, but I was going to mention just a couple. Um, Yeb Gro- <laughs> okay. Yeb I thought you said you were gonna- Malise. So she's from Ethiopia. She has the fastest seated time in 219.36. And then Edna Kiplagat, who oh. we just mentioned was the winner of Falmouth Road Race, 
is also going to be in the event. She's also the 2017 Women's Race Champion at the Boston Marathon. Oh, some, some a, series of past champions yeah, are running this year. With a uh, time of 2.19.50. That's her seed time. She's from Kenya. And then I do want to highlight the American women who will be participating. Jordan Hesse. She has a PR of 22057. I think she still holds the debut record for an American woman in the marathon as well. Probably. Then we have everyone's favorite marathoner, I feel like, in Michigan. You're not allowed to say that. Des Linden. In, I don't know. Michigan. On Twitter. On Twitter. I can Boston say that now, champion. right? I no, think I can say that. You can't say that. No, you can't. It's not resounding that she is the favorite marathoner on Twitter? No. One, no? because okay. Twitter is not a real place. And well, so the it's... opinions of Twitter don't quite matter in reality. And second, because that's not nice to all the other marathoners. Come I on. Know, that's true. I don't. Comparison right, but, is the thief of joy. We're talking you're, about you're that. You're thieving many, I'm many thieving. marathoners. Okay. Joy. Well, we can appreciate Des Linden for all we her do snarky Des. remarks and and for her 2018 Boston win and inspiration. So two Boston champs in the last yeah. few years in this field. That always makes for just kind of a fun dynamic. Mm-hmm. And then Molly Huddle. Ah. I would love to see her back because she was injured for the 10K this year. If you'll remember, she did not compete at the Olympic U.S. Olympic trials. Mm. And then and in case you are not privy to this, Molly Huddle to this day believes she has not yet run her potential in a marathon. Mm. Um, and if you think about it, as, as the American record holder for some time in the half marathon, um, only having recently been broken and at holding American records in several other distances yeah. over the years. It strikes us as interesting that her marathon is so much further back than her yeah. other races. So well, we yeah. race the marathon less, and that could be part of the reason she's yeah. raced. She hasn't raced. She just it hasn't a ton. fully. She hasn't fully figured it out. There's something about the marathon she's yeah. not quite gotten yet. And if she does in Boston, it'll be a really exciting time. And I do want to remind you that during the pandemic, she did the one hour challenge. So like she got the one hour American record on the track. So that was. Safan Hassan did the one hour record, world record this year mm-hmm. as well. So just an interesting fun fact from Molly Huddle from this year. And then Brittany Charbonneau, who's been on this show, Creativity on the Run was the name of that episode. Wait, is she allowed to run races that are on pavement anymore and not in <laughs> mountains? So if you haven't been following Brittany Charbonneau, she is just crushing it on the trails. In fact, she is the sponsored athlete from uh, North Face. So she is all adventure, trail racing, mountain racing sometimes. She's incredible, but she's still super fast on the roads. So she's been in light and invited in this pro field. It will be fun to see how this translates because she's been doing so well on the trails. Very cool. This is quite a bit flatter and harder. As far as surface wise, surface wise, sure. And then Anne Marie Kirkpatrick, she is also in the pro field. She was on our podcast talking about recovery, if you'll remember. And she's also the one I referenced quite a bit about how she shared that she runs much slower for her easy days than her marathon pace. She runs like two minutes or more slow, more slowly than her marathon pace. The reason why Andy continues to bring that up is because. Andy felt validated in being able to slow down her runs after Anne Marie, who is a faster marathoner than Andy, said she was running her easy runs slower than Andy. And Andy yeah. was like, okay, that gives me permission to. <laughs> so despite the fact that her coach kept telling her over and over she could slow down those easy runs, she was not willing That's to do so. That's why I'm giving you all permission. Until <laughs> Anne Marie said she was, uh, yeah. 
Well, That's anyway, one of the benefits of learning from other runners. That is our main topic for today. Ah, now, look at you. Dot McMahon of the Brooks team, Hanson's Brooks Project on the east side of Michigan, will be competing as well as Gina Rouse in the elite field in the Masters division. So I wanted to note so them. So they are in the elite new... field, but also also Masters yes, right. runners. They're just as fast. So as... they're just they're just old elite people. They're not old. Well, that's you what that don't means, have to be it? very old Master, to be in Masters, Masters runners and old so they runner. Get... It's a, there's a very competitive Masters division at the Boston Marathon, as you would imagine. Now, the men's field is another heated one. There's a lot of fast runners. I won't mention the the whole top crew there, but I do want to highlight Abdi Amnaraman, who has been on our show before, talking about competing at the highest level. And he's competed at the highest level for so long. In fact, he competed in his fifth Olympic Games just what a month ago whenever the olympics were i don't don't know uh yeah so not as you say you don't know we've been covering the olympic games guys uh yeah two weeks ago so yeah abdi will be running this is it's an only a 64 day turnaround from the olympic marathon where he finished 41st now Mm -hmm. uh there are a couple more americans that i do want to mention in the top field scott fobble in 209 Colin Benny in 209, Scott Smith in 209, and then Parker Stinson, who's a previous guest on our show, who has been injured, but he's been coming back very strong from his injury, and I'm excited to see what he can do at the Boston Marathon. Excellent. So any of you excited for that event, now you know who to watch. But of course, there's a a lot of names we left off the list yeah. so if you want to see including more, some of our own athletes <laughs> if you, well yes indeed uh thousands of people in fact that we left off the list <laughs> if you want to see more we do have more on a to z running.com and you can see the full kind of like breakdown of the pro field and we'll link to the resources to find it all out as well mm-hmm. that is true for everything covered in the world of running here and now and of course stick around next time for more let's transition to our main topic Well, as noted, we are going to spend the next several minutes comparing ourselves to other runners on Strava. Nope. Uh, (laughs) Try again. Well, as noted, we are going to spend the next little bit on our main topic talking about uh, what we can learn from other runners. So we are going to compare other. No, we're going to talk about runners. and We can do so without comparison. (laughs) Indeed. I think that uh, the key here is... Um, so many different, what was it? A reflection after the Olympics on how many different paths to victory. There are so many different paths to success in running. And that's not necessarily to suggest that you just got to find your way and, uh, you know, throw out all the good research and the good practices that others have done or do or uh, did before us, but rather what are the interesting nuances and the things about us as individuals that we can learn from one another. And this is the, we talk so much about um, these kinds of things as a human endeavor, meaning it's a, it's a people thing. Uh, we're not talking about widgets and objects and items and machines. Um, although there's a mechanical aspect to running that we love to discuss as well. But um, the point is that we can indeed grow together and from each other. And mm-hmm. so we, we want to reflect on that a little bit here and we're going to do it in two ways. 
The first is we're going to share a conversation with Matt Chittum of Rambling Runner. And we had the opportunity to chat with him on his podcast and then uh, pulled a different conversation for this experience. So if you already listened to the conversation with Matt on Rambling Runner, that's great. That's not exactly, it's not the same recording. So don't worry. We're not just replaying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, we're going to reflect with Matt on the things that he's learned from many of the runners that he's interacted with and certainly guests on his show. And then we are going to reflect from our own experiences talking with runners on our show and certainly just learning from others as we've gone about mm-hmm. our running journeys together also. Mm-hmm. About our guest, Matt Chittum. He is the host of the podcast, The Rambling Runner and Road to the Olympic Trials. So he has some of the most popular running podcasts that there is in the country. And it's a, his shows are dedicated to amateur runners and what we can learn and from these amateur runners that are super dedicated to the sport. And there are things that I've learned from every podcast, every guest that he has had on his show. So it's a privilege to have him on and we are excited to dig into it. As Zach said, we were also on his show and I do want to link to that because it was a completely unique conversation on his podcast. And that is, if you want to look, look it up, episode 354. Now, if you forgot that, you can just go to The Rambling Runner You'll see it, Zach and Andy, or you can check on our website. I'll have a link. And just so you're aware, that is so that you can learn from us (laughs) because we're talking about ourselves, which is something that you probably hear a lot of on this show. (laughs) Don't let that jade your opinion. No, because Matt is an extremely good uh, Uh, interviewer. So in other words, as Andy says, Matt asks better questions of us than we ask of ourselves and each other. (laughs) That's true. That is true. So thanks to Matt for coming on our show to talk about lessons learned from other runners. This topic of what we can learn from other runners, being someone who has talked to hundreds of other runners for your show, really diving deep. I want to know from you, Matt, what are some things that you have learned from the runners that you've interviewed that have really stuck with you? That's a great question, man. I feel like there are people that I talk to every time that I could fill like three of these, you know, basically like three or four takeaways from each person, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll just talk, I'll just go to the last interview I did. I got an interview, I got a podcast coming out on Friday with Katie Spots, who's like this incredible endurance athlete. Like she's run across Maine, Vermont, Rhode Island. She has, she was the first person to kayak across the Atlantic Ocean. Right. She wow. has biked her. She's biked across America. She's done all of these things. And she's like seven years younger than me. Right. So she's done all of these things at, at a very early age. And you're like, this is incredible. Right. So she's also run marathons of, of like, all right, we train for a marathon and, and, and do it. And she ran around like 327, 326, which is fantastic. Right. Qualified for Boston. Awesome. But it wouldn't put her at like elite athlete status. But here's this woman who by any definition is an elite athlete by what she's capable of doing from an endurance perspective. And it's like, this is such a great example of there is no like cookie cutter definition of excellence or being elite or getting the most out of your body or 
the talent that you were born with and stuff like that. Cause, cause what she has done is simply incredible. And she's literally just getting started. She did, she just finished three days ago, I think, or it was last week. She did 11 ultra marathons in 11 days and crossed the state of Ohio. And it was like, this is incredible. This, this woman is incredible. And it's, is there genetics involved with it? Of course there is, but she is not like, this absolute freak of nature she has built up to this point, right? So you see someone like that and you're like, all right, I'm struggling on my seven mile run today, but like, am I really going to complain? I talked to Katie Spots last night. Like, of course, I'm just going to stick with it. I'm going to get through it. And that's just going to be the way the world, right? Or like you see other people who can show like complete like love for the sport, even after like debilitating, like, injuries or like time after stress fracture after stress fracture after stress fracture and they keep getting back up and it's not like they're torturing themselves to do it they have this pure of heart joy for it and it's so inspiring and and even more so the people who come on the show who and it's hard to really capture this in a podcast format but i know them just as people who are so supportive Mm -hmm. of the runners around them and you see people like that. And for me, that's like this huge takeaway because um, I know that for them, the reason they do it is, is purely altruistic. But it's obvious that there is a side benefit that it also helps them. And again, if they did it for that reason, then that would probably go away. But it's seeing the positive impact they have on everybody in their community, themselves included, that is um, something that while I try to do with the podcast is something that I don't do a great job of, you know, in person. And it's something that I can definitely improve on. And seeing folks do that sort of thing uh, is truly inspirational for me. It's something that uh, I never, it never ceases to amaze me because for me, it's something that definitely does not come naturally in any sense of the word. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Your podcast has so much richness when it comes to talking about running, but then also life because as runners, it is definitely more than just a sport to us. It's a lifestyle. <clears throat> it's a community. And sometimes it's part of our identity, you know, and that's hard. That's something that they wrestle with, especially when injury comes or things get in the way of us doing our running. But there's so much there that's more emotional, mental, and then that physical component, of course. But I think what's really cool about your podcast and being able to talk with all kinds of athletes is that you really can get to the heart of of life and this runner who is totally multifaceted. I would like to know from you, Matt, how this this community that you formed, how that's impacted your running and how you see running as a sport. That's a great question. So I would say, generally speaking, it has positively impacted my view of having running as the central part of my life, which is basically it is now, right? At least from not obviously my family is, but uh, from a professional standpoint and from just things that I enjoy doing standpoint, right? So like from a personal standpoint, that's all I do now. It's the podcast and I coach and it's great to have that be my main revenue driver because I don't view it that way but it's really like this it's such a gift and an honor and it's all something that I enjoy doing so that has been like it's 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 you know it really is hard to describe the the honor that comes with it I will say there are there are 
The negative of it is that I talk to so many people who are doing so many amazing things, and I'm not going to lie. There are points where I look at my own running, and I'm like, I wouldn't interview me. <laughs> like, I'm not when, – when am I going to now do something with my own running that would reach the level, not from a time perspective, but just overall um, – you know, holistically, do something with my own running that would reach the level of the people that I have. I'm honored to speak to a couple times a week. So uh, there are definitely moments where I'm like, oh my goodness, like <laughs> look in the mirror and shit. I'm like, how come you can't do what these other folks are doing? Uh, again, not always. There are moments, but I think ultimately the positive aspect is knowing that. All of these folks have also had those times, right? Where we've, um, that's kind of like a unifying thing where whether it's the self-doubt or the imposter syndrome or can I come back from this injury or do I want do I want to keep doing this? Do I want to keep going to PT all the time? I'm so sick of this. Like, right, those, those moments where, you know, we look back on them later, we're like, that really wasn't that long of a time period, but it feels longer when we're in it. And it can be like this, the time can kind of compress upon itself. And, and there are those moments where I, um, I definitely have that feeling, but at the same time, you know, when I take a step back, I realize that so did all these other people and that didn't stop them from doing what they're capable of doing. And what am I capable of doing? Lord knows. I have no idea, but I know that, if I can put in the kind of consistency and even more than that, the belief that goes along with it, that whatever uh, is potentially there down the line, that I can get there. But again, I think the I think the belief part is something that I have struggled with in the past because um, in the past, I felt like uh, when I was good at sports, it usually wasn't a result, especially early on, from work ethic. There were definitely times where I've worked hard, uh, but usually the sports that I chose, I chose because of the early easy wins, and then I built upon them. So when they haven't come, that has led me to then, you know, question my abilities and belief in myself in those endeavors, as opposed to saying, hey, I stuck with it time and time again. I'm just going to keep doing it. And I think that's kind of the stage where I'm at now of like, hey, you know, like I haven't been, you know, my, my progression has not been linear. In fact, maybe it has been, but it's going the other direction. It's going downward in a linear path. So can I reverse that? And what are the things that I'm going to do as a runner to make sure that I do do that from a consistency standpoint, from a recovery standpoint, from a nutrition standpoint, and making sure that I can do the things necessary, um, not just physical, but also mentally to keep myself um, in, in, the, in the right frame of mind so that whatever I am capable of doing, that I can finally start to do it. Because I, I haven't gotten there yet, and God willing, I, I, will, I will get there at some point. Mm. You know that is one of uh, one Matt one of the things that I find most valuable about these kinds of things. You know your show and, and the conversations you have with athletes. Certainly, in our experience, the conversations we've had um, is you you see. So on the inspiration side, um, you see the story of someone else's life or experience, and you see what's possible. But you also see your own struggles in those stories. I mean, you just you cannot possibly talk to more than a few people. Maybe if you only talk to one other person, you could get away with it. Uh, but you talk to more than a few people and whatever your struggles, you're going to see them somewhere in someone else's story. And so it's, it's those two, it's that twofold inspiration of what's possible. And also 
that I'm not struggling alone when I'm experiencing frustration or when I'm experiencing any kind of difficulties. So as you've done the rambling runner and the road to the trials, what is something that you're looking forward to with this Olympic Games and maybe some of the people that you're rooting for that you've interviewed on your shows? Yeah, it's funny. So that's that's definitely changed over time, right? Like I can't say that when I was 10, 14, 18, I don't know what four-year markers there were for when I was little in terms of like the Summer Olympics, but I I'm definitely say like I was never like looking forward to the steeplechase during those years. Now, however, I really am. So this is really going to be like super fun for me. I think traditionally, I have definitely been one of those like fair weather. When I say traditionally, I mean going back to like my youth. I was always like the person who was like, "All right, 100 meter dash, long jump, let's do it." Right. So like that was like that was always the thing. And then Michael Johnson like made 400 meters like super fun, which was great. And then at, now it's like I it's more easy for me to say like which things I'm not overly excited about i'm not going to do that but it's probably easier for me or easier for me to do that than to say the things that i am excited about um and especially now because like before it's kind of like how it was with gymnastics right like i don't know the personal stories of the gymnasts i enjoy watching it but i don't know the personal stories or at least the training that has gone in to um get them to this point whereas now like with running like i'd like over the past couple of years, like, and even more than that, for a lot of these people, I've like loved following along and watching and see what happens. And it really is super exciting. And, um, I think the, the one, the one that I'm the most excited about is to see Emily Sisson. I think that, um, the main thing is just the personal connection. I think we all have those moments where we have personal connection to, to things for a variety of different reasons. Uh, I worked at Providence college when she was there. And it was awesome to like look out of like my office onto the track which they had just built and see her training there with Molly Huddle. And it was just this really cool thing to, to, to witness that and to see her growth over time and then to see how the marathon trials didn't go her way. And then that like awkward moment where like, you know, like she didn't quite finish the race. I mean, she didn't finish the race, but then there was like that awkward moment of like, Hey, did she not finish because she was waiting for like the track trials? And you know, she's not super comfortable talking um, with the media. Like some of her brethren are. And you know, that was like that awkward moment of like, Oh, why did she, why didn't she stick with it? She wasn't hurt. And you know, to see her come back and then do all the things that even her most diehard fans, um, you know, maybe ever, never even dreamed that she could do what she did at the trials in the 10K was, um, I mean, it was just a force of nature. And to see what she might do uh, on the world stage at the Olympics will certainly be, it will be very interesting. I mean, she's not going to do what she did at the trials at the Olympics. There's there's no way that's going to happen. But it's definitely going to be a great race. And it's something that um, is hysterical to me now. I would never be like, yeah, the 10K on the track will be the most exciting race go back in time 20 years i tell you the opposite but now like i can't wait to see that one. Oh, that's great are there any more personal connections to people that are going to the olympics that you want to share well when i say personally she doesn't know who i am I, mean, she, <laughs> I did interview her for the providence college podcast it was like the first podcast one of the first college podcasts i've ever created and i was like so excited to interview her for that um so i do say I, I have met her in person but she doesn't know me from Adam, but you know, I do happen to uh, know her a little bit, or at least from afar, watching her do some cool track workouts. Um, 
I would say that's pretty much it. I mean, unless I'm like, I would hate for this to come out and then all of a sudden I like think back and like, how did I forget? How did I forget that one? Um, but I think for the most part that that's really it. And you know, that's kind of the beauty of what the Rambling Runner podcast has been. It was that you know I have done some stuff with some professional runners, but all in all, it's amazing to me that um, we've been able to do all of this on the backs of really cool, interesting, and inspiring amateur runner stories. And that was always, you know, the, the backbone of what this podcast was about. And when I to do talk to pros, it's under the guise of, hey, we're going to talk about things that matter to dedicated amateur runners. And, and, and that they're always all for that, which is fantastic. But that's, uh, yeah, the, the pros aren't really my lane, right? That's that's you know you guys are in that lane and and Carrie and Allie and Lindsay and Tina and and Mario and and Jason and and, and Chris and and all the, and all other people who are who are doing this and doing such a fantastic job and it's fun for me to be able to kind of see both to to be the person who's out there talking to the dead kid amateur runners but you know from afar being able to see what the best of the best are capable of doing uh, year in and year out. Yeah, that's so cool. And I love that. I just really, really do because there is such a shared experience. And like I had mentioned earlier, it's it's mental, it's physical, it's emotional. And we can all relate to that as runners. You know, if you run, you're a runner and you can experience things. these things. We test ourselves. It's super vulnerable. I think that's what makes watching the Olympic Games and these athletes that we see at these high level meets so cool as a fan, because you can say, I have been in that moment too, you know, in their moments of great, great excitement and a defeat. We have a different version of that, of course, ourselves, but we can see what they're doing and then be able to, in our own lives, experience similar things. So running is so universal and I love that it can connect all of us together and that we can learn from so many people in the running community. All right, Andy and Zach, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was an absolute pleasure. Best of luck to you in all things running, whether it's your own running, your running podcast, your coaching, all of it. You're doing such great work. Thanks so much, Matt, and you as well. Appreciate the opportunity to talk with you here. Hearing you talk with so many people and then having a chance to engage directly with you is just a rare treat, so thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you, Matt. Well, certainly, thanks to Matt for being willing to share amongst the many experiences a few highlights uh, from his interactions with other runners. Mm -hmm. We do appreciate We do. Thanks, Matt. And then we also wanted to take some time to dig into some of the things we've learned from our guests. So beyond impressive times and expertise, there's transcendent qualities that we can learn from others that help us become better runners, help us thrive better as runners. So as I interact with athletes and other people, I tend to occasionally bring up Brittany Charbonneau, who we had on her show. Like we all mentioned the time. Earlier. Andy, Andy brings up Brittany every time she <laughs> talks I've to a runner. I've learned something valuable from her. And I like to do that. I am someone who likes to find these nuggets and I cannot keep good news to myself. So when I find something that works for me, that's why we have a podcast, right? Uh, when I th find things that have worked for me or that have clicked with me, I like to share them. So Brittany Charbonneau spoke on our podcast about creativity on the run. She is somebody who I respect so much as an athlete, but then also as a coach and what she does to involve art 
and creativity and themes into her runs. She also has slowed down to run with her sister on some days when it doesn't quite make sense maybe in her training, but her coach recognized that she needed to have that sister time and that helped her thrive as a runner. It's all about longevity. It's about the process. And if she can make the process more joyful, she will be a better runner and thrive better. So that's something that I've learned from Brittany. And then there's so many that I could highlight here today, everyone, but I just have a couple we that I want to keep a tally count of how many times Andy <laughs> says there's so many things. I know, <laughs> but we had a duo team, a father son duo team. We had two of them. In fact, on our show, it was called father son teams. We had the John Cox and the agars and they helped us see that companionship and doing the sport together was something that gave them so much joy and it added meaning for them to be able to do this as a father and son team. They helped each other be stronger. And then Leah Fallon, who you've heard me speak of her before. This is, uh, she was previously Leo O'Connor. She got married to Lewis Fallon and now she is, a you know, still running strong and she had come from this point of injury and maybe we could call it a little bit of despair at one point and she joined Dathan Ritzenhain in uh he's her coach and she told us on our podcast way back when was it 2020 maybe before that that her goal was to feel powerful again now Leah could have told us yes my goal is to make an Olympic team again but what happens in between your injury or your the spot that you're at where you're struggling and then your your long-term goal well there has to be something more sustainable in feeling powerful again is what she told us I want to feel powerful again and I thought about that for my own experience and how that can transcend other kinds of goals and it can help us get to maybe things like, oh, I want to qualify for this or I want to run this certain time. But feeling powerful, again, was a really important goal. And then going to the expertise side, Dave Hodgkinson was on our show and I actually have shared this quite recently. Some of the things that he was sharing with us because we've grown a lot since back in the day. I think I don't know what episode it was. It was in the teens. But you should go back and listen to this one because it's called Run Faster Without Trying Harder. <laughs> and it does deliver on that promise. I know that sounds kind of like get rich quick scheme, but it's not. It's just about form and how we can run better. And he spoke with us about how to keep our eyes and our chest up. That's just one simple thing that you can do. Well, we can learn from other people very tangible things. We can listen to experts even if we consider ourselves experts, we can still learn from other experts. So Dave Hodgkinson uh, coming on our show, sharing with us, and he's been a mentor to me for years. And I'm not going to continue to go on until Zach has a chance to digest some of this with me. Is there anything that you've learned on our podcast from athletes on our show or experts on our show that you feel have made you a better runner? Hmm. Yes. From all of them. Is that what you mean? Yes, being all. What, you asked if there's anything I've learned. Yes. Can you tell us what you've learned? Yes. If I have more time to think about it. <laughs> well, as he's thinking about it, I'll tell you a little bit more about what I've prepared. So Kendra Chambers 
she talked about the process and loving the process more than the prize. And as I've watched her journey unfold, it has been so far from easy. She's had injuries. She's had, you know, things that just don't quite go her way. And when she decides to love the process and when she made that decision, I think she was talking about it on our podcast. She had to like switch teams, which was a big deal and make some decisions for herself to help her enjoy the process more to help her thrive because it's not sustainable and it's frankly not worth it if you're not loving the process. So what can we do to love this process more? That was something I took away from Kendra Chambers. And then Dathan Ritzenhine, who we've had on the show many times and who have coached many of the athletes we've had on this show. And he spoke from a bird's eye perspective on his running career on our podcast, speaking about how how it's more than these times and numbers that he has achieved over time. And he also talked about some things that he might have done differently that I think are valuable for, you know, listeners like us um, to his story, viewer, bystanders, those who are just entering the, the sport of running. He has so much wisdom to share, and we've learned a lot from Dathan Ritzenhine. And then, as we discussed with Matt, we don't want to fall into the comparison game when we hear about these. Oh, is that what I get to do next? Is compare us to other runners? <laughs> no, oh. silly. Well, I yeah, all of these wonderful runners we have on our show, if I were to look at what they're doing and just look at their results and not look at who they are as a person, not look at their at their process, not try to learn specific things that have helped them become a better runner, but just admired their results. I would probably start just feeling badly about myself because I'm not a professional runner and some of them have overcome some serious odds, harder odds than I've had to face and they've still done it and we can start feeling badly about ourselves and instead of doing that, that's that's no fun. That comparison game is no good. We need to look at the things that we can emulate and we can also participate in. And when I have these guests, when we have these guests on the A to Z Running Podcast, we're looking for ways for our to connect that athlete or expert with you, our audience, and your experience, and of course, our experience too. So the things that I mentioned earlier, you know, like Leo, we want to have goals that supersede all the rest of them, like feeling powerful again. And we can explore our whys and see more sustainable joy in our methods like Brittany Charbonneau and Kendra Chambers. And then we can dive into specifics of training with experts like Dave Hodgkinson and athletes like Kate Grace, who we talked about speed, strength, and endurance that can help better shape our methods as runners. Oh, I remember something I learned. Okay, good. Go for it. We once had someone comment on the show that concrete is 10 times harder than asphalt. Good one. Okay. <laughs> Sadcast learned a lot from other runners, but uh, he uh, he doesn't like to be put on the spot. So in closing, Zachary, what should people do if they want to get in touch with us? Well, you should definitely go to a com and click the word coaching. Oh, wait. You said in touch with us. You could go to a com and click the word coaching, <laughs> and that will tell you all of the ways that we can support you in your training. We even added a new service. In fact, 
which is simply you might not need a whole coaching experience. You might not need a full training plan, but you definitely want an additional set of eyes on what you're doing or an opinion in response to or in brainstorming with you on a question or concern. So we have a consultation option. And all you have to do is click the button and schedule. It's very easy, yeah. which mm -hmm. is a wonderful thing because easy is important when we are all busy. And we definitely want to try to find different ways that we can be helpful. Mm -hmm. But of course, amongst all of those things, if you'd love to just reach out because we love your comments and questions, regardless of whether they're specifically trying to gain services or support in your work, we certainly like to hear from you. So comment on the stuff, YouTube, social media which yeah. means something or on this blog on the blog post because what i'm actually oh, going to be post. asking of you all if you would like is to hop on over to a to z running.com find this episode which is a to z running.com slash episode 98 98 98 <laughs> and i would love to hear if there are any other athletes or people mm. that you run with who have inspired you to be a better runner they have stories or things that you've learned from them. I would love to hear. And I'll choose a few of those to share on next week's episode. Ah, and that that's actually not a request. It's a requirement. <laughs> it is if not, you would Zach. like to be allowed to listen to this show, you must go to a to z running.com slash episode nine eight and post something related to what Andy just told you to post. That is your instructional instructional teacher uh, thoughts coming out there, Zach. What? <laughs> Anyway, we appreciate you. We do. In all seriousness, all the interactions are making us better runners too. And all of what you do to bring to A to Z running helps us thrive as well. So if you love this show, please rate and review on the podcast that you're listening on. We would really appreciate it. It helps other people find us. And uh, we would love to grow and help runners thrive even more. 